Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Maybe one of the first to say Happy New Year as we quickly approach on that time. And looking at the markets, we're going to do a little look back on 2019, all the struggles that we had, the positives we had, and what we can expect as we head towards 2020. Not to forget that that agreement with China sounds a lot closer than many had assumed. We're talking, of course, today with Arlen Suderman of FC Stone. And Arlen, lots of uh, interesting as we look at this last trading day of 2019 and some struggles, but we overcame them as we finished up this trading year. Yeah, we certainly did. This has been a challenging year. And I think from an agronomic standpoint, probably one of the most challenging years, probably the most challenging year that I've seen in the uh, four decades or so that I've been in the industry. Um, Farmers just had a tough go. Uh, Some areas of the Midwest worse than others. And uh, when you put it all together in the Midwest, I don't think we've had a more challenging year for getting the crop planted. And then challenges throughout the year that created some problems. And and in fact, that continues uh, with some of our Northwestern Midwest uh, fields probably not harvested until we get to the spring thaw. So uh, it's a year that just uh, I think a lot of farmers are going to be happy to put in a rearview mirror. Uh, but at the same time, we learned a lot, and, and we learned that today's genetics is, uh, is is far better than what we've had in the past, obviously, and helped us overcome some of those problems, along with the technology of our equipment and the hard work of the American farmer. Well, you get to put on that agronomy hat with, with that background that you have. And, and we know that this spring is when it started out with some struggles for the, for the grain and the livestock producers alike. As you kind of rewind to the first quarter of 2019, what were some of the biggest standouts for you? Well, I think the biggest was the delay in the, in the crop planting. And uh, when we had as large of a portion of this year's corn crop planted in the month of June, uh, I don't think I've ever seen that before uh, for the Midwest. And, you know, from an agronomy standpoint, anytime you plant late, the assumption is that you have less time for that plant, which is really a factory taking sunshine and, and nutrients and water and uh, in creating carbohydrates that it could put into a kernel as well as proteins and stuff. And, and so it takes time for that factory to really produce. And this year we had, yeah, some people had low yields, and I understand that. But as a whole in the Midwest, it did far better than we ever would have anticipated. Some of that was because of the way the summer played out. We had a rather long fall that kind of helped with that as well. Um, but uh, for as late as planning as it was, uh, the crops did very well considering as you look at uh, what we've seen within this market trade, what would be your biggest um, maybe piece of advice or, or thoughts as to how we overcame and continued to deal with the markets that we had to deal with? Well, I think a couple of principles. First of all, um, uh, money is king, so to speak, and money drives. And, and the impact of the momentum traders and the algorithmic traders, which are the majority of the traders these days, with billions of dollars behind them. And in times of uncertainty about the fundamentals, which we certainly had in 2019, they're gonna trade whatever the direction is. They're gonna trade that momentum in that direction. And that's gonna have a bias behind it. And the bias during the trade war was 
uh, trade wars are bad for the economy, so therefore less demand for commodities, so therefore short the commodities or sell the commodity. And they would periodically, we'd get rallies if there were headlines that justified it, such as the delayed planting. But as soon as those headlines had passed, they defaulted back to that same philosophy again, trading that downward momentum. And and that was pretty much the driving factor behind the markets, really determining the sentiment and shaping it to a great extent. And that can work in the opposite direction as well. We saw that uh, really in 2016 in the crude oil market when we had very bearish fundamentals, much worse than what we have today. Crude oil was down at $26.5 or thereabouts, and we doubled the price of crude oil in, in four or five months' time uh, simply because the sentiment had changed, the attitude had changed among the fund managers. Um, not saying we're going to double the price of corn or anything like that, but that's how the impact of money flow can have on these markets. And since you can't necessarily predict or anticipate that based on supply and demand, you have to learn how it kind of works and develop a business plan about it. And when the market gives you opportunities, be prepared to lock in those profit opportunities with some of the tools that are available to keep some flexibility. So as you look at this January 15th signing date, which is the president had tweeted earlier today was going to take place, do you see that as good news as we wrap up 2019? Yeah, I think the markets are a little disappointed it wasn't sooner. We don't know the details. Um, but January 15th is certainly a day that uh, we can grasp and at least feel like we got closure to phase one. And President Trump indicated uh, today that He's going to make a trip to Beijing then to start the phase two talks. And I think that's very positive. That's an encouragement. And that tells us that we're continuing to move in the, in the direction of de-escalation. And it indicates that China will have some incentive to try to keep at least have the appearance of keeping its agreement. And that should be good for commodity trade. I don't think we're going to save the soybean balance sheet. Um, but, it, but I do think that there's going to be some positive surprises in there and some other commodities that we're not counting on the extra demand from China, whose balance sheets aren't as, as bloated as maybe the soybean balance sheet is, that I think can benefit. It doesn't take much corn, doesn't take much ethanol and DDG cells in combination to start turning the corn balance sheet, for example. And I think we'll see some of those positive developments. Well, stick around, folks. We have more coming up as we look at the Fontenelle final bell. We'll look at the livestock side and a few more thoughts as to what we're seeing on grains wrapping up 2019. Hard to believe the year has flown by that fast. More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle final bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as Arlen Suderman continues to join us from FC Stone. We saw the markets today from for the grain, especially corn, just kind of in that range bound. But can we expect that? It was the last trading day of 2019, and I'm sure the floor was pretty quiet. Pretty quiet. Fewer traders involved. Phones just not ringing too much with orders. And uh, you can get some erratic trade when that happens, but overall today went pretty much as expected. A little bit of profit-taking. There's some funds in, in the markets who had some pretty nice profits in 2019 and wanted to be able to show those profits on the books. And so we did see some pullback in some of the markets. And uh, uh, otherwise, I think the sentiment is still pretty positive as we close out 2019 anyway. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to maintain that sentiment into 2020. 
As we look at the livestock side, Arlen, they had just as many bumps and, and turns and maybe even a little bit more than what we saw on the grain side during 2019. We certainly did. I'm, the big story was African swine fever, and I think that'll continue to be the story in 2020. Uh, and until we actually get a vaccine that effectively stops the disease, it continues to spread. As we look at China, uh, we are seeing a few commercial firms that with uh, uh, the high degree of biosecurity are being able to avoid the disease and they are expanding production. Uh, but at the same time, we're getting new outbreaks that are coming out that are not being reported by the government that our people on the ground are telling us about. And so I think the net result is is we're kind of stabilizing with the gains in the one hand, offsetting the continued losses on the other hand. And so we still see the number of hogs being fed down about 60 to 70 percent and a sharp shortage of meat and uh, the need by China to import more, more protein. And, and I think that's, that's positive long term. We've already expanded hog production in the United States considerably to meet that demand faster than what the demand has come. So we do have a surplus of pork right now. But we're actually seeing beef prices supported by the fact that we're importing less beef right now because some of the beef we were importing is now going to China. And so that's helping tighten up the supply. We've got good domestic demand here in the United States. Our exports are good. And I think the beef fundamentals are good. And one thing of interest is beef cow slaughter has really jumped here over the last several months. In fact, since September 1, beef cow slaughter is up 13% over the previous year. That's the biggest uh, rise in beef cow slaughter we've had since the drought year of 2012 and that bodes well for a price of cattle price of beef down the road as well as we see this demand base expand arlen there had been some talk earlier that china was looking for ways to ramp up their hog production especially in some of these rural areas where that and raising livestock is such a vital part of that family economy do we see that playing a role are they going to it's going to take, obviously, more than a year to get things back to somewhat normal. But are we going to see them relying more and more on foreign countries to get them their food supplies? Yeah, I think that they are. Um, they don't want to be. They don't want to believe that themselves to a great extent. Uh, talking to our team in, in uh, Shanghai earlier this week, we talked about this. And, and, and there's a lot of projects being written about in the media that China is promoting and saying that they're going to do this or do that. But that's far different from what's actually happening on the ground. A few of those are going forward, but it's a fraction of what's being reported. Um, the, the Chinese culture has been very good about saying, we're going to do this or we're going to do that. We're going to have these new projects, but only a fraction of them actually happen. And part of that's because of the culture. Part of it's just the, the bureaucratic obstacles of a state-run economy just make it difficult to, to make the progress. And uh, so I, I think the, it's going to be a long time before we see them be able to really ramp up their production, especially with the disease still running loose without an effective vaccine. As you look at the rest of the livestock complex and we move into this first quarter of 2020, what are some key things our producers need to keep in mind? Well, if you're a hog producer, um, take advantage of the opportunities as they come. And we do have some opportunities to lock in some profitable margins. But make sure you have some risk management in place because uh, 
the whole market's at risk if if and when we get that first headline that African swine fever has been spotted or found in the United States. We hope that doesn't happen, but that's a real distinct risk, and, uh, and the markets would likely trade that very volatilely. Um, on, on the cattle side, um, I think we're going to have some opportunities going forward. I think the demand base is going to continue to build, and uh, over the next couple of years, we could see the supply tight based on the beef cow uh, slaughter that we're seeing. And uh, so, again, it's fault, use a business approach to it, but I think there's going to be some positive uh, opportunities coming. All right, sounds good. Arlen, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? INTL, FCStone.com, or over on Twitter, uh, Arlen um, FF101 is my handle. All right, Happy New Year, Arlen. Happy New Year to you. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss are not suitable for all investors. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.